welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. We are in a series for those of you that are new to our church. This is the third week in the series called Airplane Mode. Now, I am an iPhone user. I don't know on your Android or Samsung or whatever phone you have where your little airplane mode might be, but mine is found if you swipe up, there's a little button there on the left side and you can click on airplane mode. And for the most part, you know, it was created so that as you are in takeoff mode, you know, all of the busyness of your phone doesn't uh, kind of interfere with the interactions of all of the instrumentation on the airplane. I don't know how all of that works, but they decided like, hey, that will eliminate some of the noise that could potentially put the flight in harm's way. And so you select airplane mode. Now, I have found benefits outside of flying using airplane mode on my phone. And so where we live here in Thousand Oaks, the cell reception is not really good, but we found out that that uh, our Wi-Fi can actually help our cell phone calls. So we found if we put on airplane mode while it's on Wi-Fi, we get a clear reception. However, you got to remember that you're in airplane mode when you leave your house. So I was driving all day the other day on airplane mode. And I was realizing, it's like, wow, my cell phone hasn't went off at all today. I haven't gotten any notifications. Nobody's calling me. Nobody's texting me. Everyone must be doing great. And then I realized towards like the end of the day that airplane mode was on. I was like, oh, but I, I had an observation in that, that moment. I go, there was so much peace and productivity in my day. Like I, I thought about all the times during the day that my phone is going off. And, you know, I'm having to give attention to it. How many have ever been guilty of doing this? You remember to leave a note or to make an appointment or do something on your phone. And then you get your phone out to do it. And then you see some notifications, some text messages, maybe a phone call. And and you start, you know, kind of answering them. And then you forget why you got your phone in the first place. Anyone ever do that before? I think I do it daily. But I noticed that the day I had it on airplane mode that I just, I, there was so much peace. I was so productive. And there's so much noise coming at us in our culture right now with all of the uncertainty and all of the unrest and social media is just crazy and everybody's got opinions about everything. And it just, all of that noise is, I believe, keeping us from getting a hold of God. And more importantly, from God getting a hold of us. And that's what prayer life is all about. It's us getting a hold of God, and more importantly, God getting a hold of us. And through the pandemic, I've noticed that a lot of people have unintentionally disengaged with their faith, and a lot of that has to do with the noise and the turbulence of our culture. We've gotten out of our our routines and and the rhythms of our disciplines, and we've allowed this to, to kind of crowd the space that God wants to own. 
And prayer life is essential business, not just to our faith, as we talked about last week, but it's essential business for our life. And so I thought this would be a good time to go through the Lord's Prayer. Now, for those of you that are familiar with church, you know there is a section in our Bibles that a lot of times is subtitled the Lord's Prayer. Now, this has been given this title because it's a prayer that Jesus prayed after the disciples looked at Jesus, looked at his life, looked at the miracles coming from his life, and said, we want to learn how to pray like that. Like, we've prayed all of our lives as Jewish men and young men. Like, we know how to pray, but we don't know how to pray like that. Like, when you pray, there's results. When you pray, it's effective. It's powerful. And we want to learn how to pray like this. So Jesus gives him this prayer, and he says, I want you to pray like this. Now, I do believe that Jesus is his intentions weren't for us to memorize this and pray it every time we pray. And I know some of you grew up in a church maybe that, you know, made you memorize this and you've memorized this and you pray this. But I, I do believe that Jesus gave us this not as a prayer to recite, but as an outline to follow. And so in the Lord's Prayer, we read this in Luke 11, you see some bullet points, like an outline, like, you know, you're back in English 101, right? The, the bullet points of the outline. And here's the outline for you, just to review for those of you that have been here New for those of you that are new. Relationship is the first point. Partnership is the second point. Third point is forgiveness. And then the last point is deliverance. So today, we're going to circle forgiveness. And I believe that forgiveness is the cornerstone of the Lord's Prayer. And you're going to understand why in a moment. But speaking of prayer, I want to pray. I want to I invite God to do a deep work in us today. Because forgiveness is going to require some deep work. Let's be honest. So let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so, so much for the way that you are moving through our church. You're doing a great work here, God. I'm so grateful to be a part of it, to see all that you're doing. And Father, we invite you to do a deep work in us today as we talk about this heavy subject of forgiveness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, there's two portions of scripture where you can read about the Lord's Prayer. One's found in Matthew 6, the other one's found in Luke 11. So we're going to take Luke 11, and if you guys are cool, I'm going to move here in the shade. Are you guys all right with that? And by the way, if you need to move umbrellas or your chairs, we're cool with that, all right? We don't want you to get sunburned, all right? So Luke 11, verse 2, it says, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. That's the relationship part. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. That's the partnership. That's where... We're saying, God, we want to accomplish your will, and we're believing that you're going to help us accomplish the things that we need in our life. And then here it is. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. There's two portions of forgiveness that, that remember, Jesus is saying, do you want powerful and effective prayers? Do you want the ability to, to pray in such a way that you see God moving for your life. Then Jesus says you got to circle forgiveness. Then there's there's two parts of this. We need to pray for God to forgive us. That's the vertical. That's us and God. Then we have to acknowledge that God wants us to forgive the people that have offended, hurt, or wounded us in our life. That's the horizontal. Those are all of the relationships in our life. 
And Jesus says every time that we come before God, it would be healthy for us to circle these two areas and really be intentional to say, God, I want to pray forgiveness, both for my relationship with you and for the people that are in and around my life. Now, I, I, I like to look at it as like chores. Jesus is saying, okay, I, I want you, when you're praying and you're getting a hold of God, I want you to look at this as a two-part bullet point of forgiveness. And the first part is, uh, Tara, if you're looking for your broom, I've had it since yesterday. I'm sorry. Um, I need it for illustration. So the first part, write this down, is sweep your soul. Jesus is saying, if you want to pray powerful and effective prayers, then this forgiving our sins is equivalent to taking the broom out in your soul and sweeping away the crud that has been allowed to accumulate in your life. Because if you don't sweep your soul actively and you don't do it even daily, things tend to kind of collect. You know what I'm talking about, right? There, there are the, the things that we let into our life and, and we let them fester. We, we let them kind of spread a little bit. And then when we refuse to deal with them, they can actually spread and fester to a point where they start damaging things that we never intended for them to damage. This is the forgive us our sins. Now, sin is a theological term that you may not know what it means. It, it basically means to make a decision in our life that God doesn't want us to make. It, it's to make a, a, a lifestyle choice to say, I'm going to live this way even though God wants you to live this way. It's literally defined as missing God's mark for your life. And the Bible says we all have it in our life. But it's acknowledging it that I think is so important because every time that we acknowledge the sin in our life, we allow God to do a deep work on our soul. I call it a soul detox. And some of you came to church this morning just to receive your soul detox because some things have accumulated that have not been dealt with and it's actually causing damage to your life. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And when sin is undealt with, it actually kills relationships. It kills your peace. It kills your health. It can even kill your wealth. And I love how the book of 1 John talks about this part of sweeping our soul. It says this in first, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, to confess isn't necessarily, hey, you got to tell God what you did because, you know, he doesn't know what you've done. Like, God knows what you've done. So it's not like a confession, like, you know, hey, uh, you know, like a parent, like a child telling a parent, like, I broke the vase. Uh, you know, it's not Johnny. It's not the little brother that I did it. That's not, you're not surprising God. You're not, like, confessing it and God's going, <gasps> what? You did that? No, your, your sin is not shocking to God. So it doesn't mean confessing in the, in the sense of like, I'm letting God in on something he doesn't already know about. Confession literally is translated to say the same thing as. So what you're doing is you're bringing God into this place of your life and you're saying, God, I agree 
with you. And I say the same thing as you say, that this is not good for my life. That's confession of your sin. And when you're saying, I'm coming in agreement with you, God, that, and, and I say the same thing, that this isn't good for my life, you're, you're giving God the opportunity to just sweep that out of your soul. Because if you don't actively do this, that thing that may be a little small nuisance can spread and become very disastrous and very damaging. You know, we moved here. A lot of you don't know our story yet, but we moved here last year. We started the church. We're coming on two years. So we were commuting back and forth from Bakersfield. And so as we were commuting back and forth to Bakersfield, we got an apartment right before we made the final move. And so we're we're living here part-time. And so we got a three-bedroom apartment because our son was going to be moving. He was still in school in Bakersfield. And so we got this apartment, but we didn't really use that room because we didn't need to use that room. So we just kind of closed the door and we you know, didn't acknowledge it. And, and we would come on the weekends and we'd come and be here. And I noticed, like, I forget what month it was, but I noticed there was an odor in the house. And it wasn't overwhelming. It was just kind of like, it kind of smells musty. And I've been living in the desert all my life. I'm like, I don't know. This is, this doesn't smell right. But maybe it's just like the ocean smell. I don't know. Maybe everybody smells this at their house here. So I dismissed it. Tara dismissed it. We didn't think anything of it. And a couple weeks go by. And the odor is now overwhelming. Like you open the door and it just like punches you in the face. Like, like you're not looking past this. So I remember walking in. And I was like, I've got to find where this thing is coming from because it, it's coming from somewhere. It's growing. It's, it's like it's nether level. And so I'm looking through the house. And then I got to the bedroom and the door was closed. And, and the odor was really strong. And I go, oh, man, there's something going on in here. I'm scared to look. But I opened the door and I look in the corner where the closet is. And I'm not even exaggerating. There are mushrooms in the carpet. Mushrooms. Now, I had just watched season three of Stranger Things. So I'm going, I am living in the upside down, is in my apartment right now. What is going on? So I'm looking, and I could, the, the carpet was wet. And then I look around, and I go in the closet, and the closet was black. It, it, the mold had grown like from the carpet. It went all the way up the wall. And so I'm, I'm calling the property manager. I'm like, you got to help us. Like, we are living in stranger things. Like, I don't know what's going on. And they sent a repair crew. They, did have, they had to do a whole mold, like detoxing over our whole apartment. It's a mess. Thousands of dollars ripping the whole, you know, room up. And my son was having to move. And, and he, we had to delay. It was just a mess. It was a mess on several layers. And I'll never forget the phone call from the property manager. I said, hey, we're just curious, did you notice an odor at, at all, at, at any given point? And I said, oh, actually we did, but we, we just didn't think anything of it. We just thought it was like the beach or something. They're like, oh, okay. And that was their subtle way of saying, you dummy, you cost us thousands of dollars. And it was all covered. Praise God. It was all covered and, and it could have been preventable. It didn't have to spread and cause all of that damage like it did. If we had just opened the door, we would have seen there was a little leak from the air conditioning that was leaking in the wall. It could have been rectified without causing all of this damage. And I'm telling you, there are things we are inviting in our life that may not be a big deal now. But if we 
choose to ignore it and just let it fester and let it grow and let it spread, then we may be inviting in all kinds of damage that will not be able to be ignored. Listen to what Psalm 139 says. This is so good. We were looking at this at prayer. Jade talked about this on Friday. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Because see, one thing is true. When when you're saying, God, I, I want you to help me sweep my soul What you're doing is you're putting yourself, you're assuring that you're putting yourself on the right road that God wants you on. Because sin, what it does is it puts you on the wrong road that you don't want to be on that causes the damage. So search me, oh God. This is David speaking out to God saying, God, I know myself. And I know that I've inadvertently allowed things into my life that if If I don't have you go poke around, I I know that the potential that those things can do against me. So search me. This is what what the the Lord's Prayer is talking about right here. This is an active moment in your prayer time where you're saying, God, I know this is going to be uncomfortable. And I know there's some things that I just want to ignore and pass off. But God, I'm I'm inviting you to to do some poking around today. to, To open some bedroom doors in my soul today because I I would rather deal with it now than all of the damage that it will cause later. Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary to China and evangelist, said this about praying this kind of way. It says, whenever we truly get alone with God, he'll deal with our lives. He'll deal with us. I'm not saying this is comfortable. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying that if you desire For God to do a great work through you, you have to first invite him in to do a deep work in you. I say it this way. Inviting God to do a deep work in you makes a way for him to do a great work through you. So here's your prayer challenge. As you're praying and you're getting hold of God, as you're kind of reframing your prayer life, you're saying, God, forgive me of my sin. And you need to know that Jesus paid for your sin, past, present, future. So it's not like every time you blow it, you have to say, God, forgive me. He's already forgiven you, but he wants you to come into a position that you agree with him that this is not good for your life. And as you do that, you say, God, right now, I identify some areas of my life that, that, that you've put your finger on. And God, I agree with you that this isn't right in my life. And I'm going to choose by your power to confess that so that you can cleanse me and move that stuff out of my soul. And then as you're doing that, what you're doing is you're preventing that stuff from taking root in your life and stealing your identity in Christ. Because that's what sin will ultimately do when you let it just run wild, is it will try to re-identify you by that sin. And it will cause identity confusion in your soul if you don't deal with this. And so after you confess it, after you say, God, I agree with you, then you come back and you say, I'm choosing to proclaim my true identity, that I agree with you, God, that this sin is not who I am, that you are who I am, and you are, are whose I am, and I am a child of God. I'm, a, I'm loved with an everlasting love. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. New things have come. I am more than a conqueror. That is who I am. I am not the sin. That is not who I am. I am Christ. That's who I am. I'm telling you, there's some clarity for your identity when you proclaim this daily. 
And here's the second part, verse four. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Now, if you think that first part was, was tough, get ready. Buckle up, buckaroo, all right? Here's, here's the part. You, you write this down. Write this down. Ho your heart. Ho your heart. And so you got to sweep your soul, but this is ho your heart. Now, i gotten really familiar with this guy in the last month because, you see, what happens is when you don't address the, the hurt, the wound, the offense that somebody has, has done against your life, what it does is it actually has the ability to harden your heart. Did you know that? Like the condition of your heart is majorly influenced by the forgiveness that you release upon the people that have hurt you, offended you, and wounded you. So I like to say forgiveness is the hula ho for your heart. Now, I have tried my hand at gardening in this last month. Never done it before. I did it as a little boy with my dad, but that doesn't count. Haven't done it as a grown-up. And we just moved into this new house. Uh, Marty and Stacy DeLuca got a job transfer to Arizona, and they said we felt like God uh, told us to have you guys move in as long as you promise not to destroy our house with mold. All right? Uh, no, nah, I, I promise. I've learned my lesson. Um, but they have a little area in their backyard where they have a garden, or they used to have a garden. So I was so excited when I first saw the garden. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to be able to be a gardener. I'm going I'm to plant some vegetables, some fruit. And I was all excited. I was telling them. And they kind of got a, a little negative. They're like, ah, we just want to warn you. Like, we, we went down that way. We got bunnies that eat it. We got squirrels. We got rats. We got snakes. We got ants. And then I was like, well, maybe I don't want to do that. And, and then, then it dawned on me. I was like, well, you know what would be easy to grow and it'd be kind of fun? Pumpkins. Like, you know, fall's coming up, and we love the fall and the winter. At the cruise home, I mean, everything's fall by September. It's like we, we bring out everything. You know, it, it, is, it is football season again. You know, it is, it, it is the, the, uh, the doorway to Christmas for my girls. I mean, at fall, we just love fall. So I was like, how cool would that be to, like, look outside and see our own pumpkin patch? And I, I'll even call it PJ's Pumpkin Patch. And, and so I was so excited. And then so I, I went and I got the hula ho. And I was like, all right, they've, they've used this area for gardening before. So I just need to clean it up. And I went to, to do the garden. I mean, mind you, that this, this was a garden. Like they had soil in there that was ready for garden. But they hadn't done it in a while. And so I went and I, and I tried to dig it up. And it was just hard. I was like, nothing's going to be able to grow like this. Like, I had to get the hula ho out. I had to work hard. I bent this thing all out. I had to get a shovel. I broke up all the stuff. I mean, it was clay. It was hard. Like a hardness had grown over the soil that there was no way anything would grow, let alone pumpkins. So I worked it for like four hours. Man, I worked it hard. I broke up that soil. And then I'm proud to report. I got a picture to prove it. That PJ's pumpkin patch is on its way. I've got, I've got the plants coming up. And now it's able to grow. I don't know if it's going to be like a, a prize-sized pumpkin or anything, but I, I just know that, that forgiving other people is hoeing your heart so that God could grow the fruit that he wants to grow in your life. Where, where sweeping prevents the wrong things from spreading, I believe hoeing is actually going to promote the right things in growing. 
And this is what God wants us to do. And, and he, he says, this is so important to me. In the prayer that he prays in Matthew 6, he follows it up with another couple of verses that I think are worth circling and reading together as a church community. In verse 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, reading that, Without knowing anything other than these two verses, one would conclude that our forgiveness from God is conditional based upon our forgiveness towards other people. But really, you can't separate the two. They actually go together. And they go together in several different passages. And in Matthew chapter 18, Peter, who was Jesus' right-hand guy, he was kind of like the, the assistant coach of the team, he he tells this to Jesus. He thinks he's being very spiritual. He says, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? And he wants to give a really godly answer. So he says, seven times, because seven's a godly number, right? If you don't know the answer in church, always say the number seven and the name Jesus. And you're probably going to be pretty right most of the time, right? So he says, seven times, and Jesus says, no, Pete. How about 70 times seven? In other words, our forgiveness towards other people should be infinite. That we should always have a mulligan to be able to give away to somebody that hurts us, offends us, and wounds us because of all of the ways that we continue to hurt, offend, and wound God. So it's, it's, it's together. It's not conditional, but it's, it's actually together. If we don't forgive others, we are in fact denying and rejecting God's forgiveness of ourselves. Ephesians 4.32, Paul sees the connection. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Turn to your neighbor and say, just as. Just as. So when, when somebody hurts you, when somebody wounds you, when somebody offends you, you have two choices. Write this down. You can become bitter or you can become better. I don't care if you're a follower of Jesus or not. These principles stand for every human being on this earth. If you walk in unforgiveness towards another person that's hurt you, offended you, or wounded you, you can either become bitter or you can become better. Now, many of us know somebody that has let unforgiveness make them bitter. Can you think of an example? We, we could probably all think of some, maybe in our family, maybe somebody that lives on our street, somebody that we work with. But it's now a scientifically proven fact that unforgiveness leads to health problems. Did you know that? Google it after church. It can cause all kinds of heart disease. It can, ca it can cause all kinds of uh, uh, neurological problems. It can cause immune deficiencies. I mean, just do some Googling after church and you will see what I'm talking about. I like what one person said. Not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Isn't that true? Like they're sleeping like babies at night while you're wrestling around, hitting your pillow at night, going, oh. and they're sleeping, and they're not thinking about it whatsoever. See, that's what happens when hurt and wound and Offense comes in your life. Now, you can choose to become better. But I believe it takes a work of God in your life to take a hurt, 
take a wound, take an offense, and actually use it to better your life. And this week, we had a perfect example in our daily reading from our daily Bible plan. We're in the book of Genesis, chapter 45, and there's a story of Joseph, who had a bunch of brothers, and he was kind of like this cocky, arrogant, younger brother. I don't know if, if you have a a baby brother in your family. He, mom just spoiled him. Dad just spoiled him. That was Joseph. And so his brothers got sick of him at a young age and sold him into slavery. True story. Yeah, some of you thought about doing that to your brother. They did it, all right? So all these years go by. He grows up. He's an adult now. And through a series of trials and tribulations, he goes from being in this pit to be in a prison, to arriving at the palace. He's Pharaoh's right-hand guy. He's in charge of all of this stuff for Egypt. There's a famine in the land where, where his brothers are at and his dad's at, and so they have to go to Egypt for help. And lo and behold, I mean, you can't write a movie script like this. This is just brilliant. They go in to talk to what they thought was Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's right-hand guy. They have no idea it's their little brother. I mean, this is his moment. He can get even. This is his moment. He can just unleash on these brothers going, how dare you guys? Like, I have been dreaming of this moment forever. But look at what he does with them. Verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He turned this thing around. He said, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. It actually, this, this whole situation didn't make him bitter he chose to allow it to make him better. He acknowledged God in it. And I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying we have to invite God into this space and say, God, they, this person hurt me. They wounded me deeply. They, they offended me. God, I just, I don't even know how to get through this space. But God, I'm going to believe that somehow you're going to turn this around because you are the great converter. And what the enemy meant for evil, God, you're going to turn around and use for good in my life. I don't know how, but you're going to do it. Even if it's just to show me how to be a better version of myself, I'm going to choose to become better. And I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to let them go. You know, forgiveness is actually a, a, like a financial transaction. It's like you owe a debt. And a lot of translations use the word debt. You owe a debt, and forgiveness is, I'm letting you go of the debt that you rightfully owe me. And some of you, you came to church this morning because God sees your heart is being hardened. Your heart is, is in a position that God wants to do a great work through you, but nothing is going to be able to grow. No fruit is going to be able to be produced until you get into a position to say, God, I release that person of the hurt, the wound, the offense that they caused me. And when you do that, you are opening yourself up and surrendering your heart to God so that he can do a great work through your life, and he can produce the fruit he wants to do in your life. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't saying that what happened to you is okay. It's, it's not making the abuse in your past or your childhood okay. It's not okay. It's horrible. It's inhumane, and, and nothing can make that better. Some of you have been abused. I, I mean, 
It's terrible. So we're not saying what happened to you is okay. Forgiveness simply means I will not spend the rest of my life punishing you, the offender, for what you did to me. Now, how do you know that you've forgiven someone? I call it testing forgiveness. Here's five things. Just write these down. Five things. Number one, it's the first thought test. How do you know if you've really forgiven somebody? Because when you first think of them, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Is it the hurt that they caused you? Chances are then, then maybe you haven't really processed that forgiveness. But if your first thought is like, oh, okay, yeah, they're, I don't think of that. Like that's down the list, but it's not my first thought. Here's the second test, an opportunity to help them test. If they were to text you right now and say, I need your help, would your response be, yes, I will help you, or will it be, skip you, you know, forget you, I'm deleting you, you know, I haven't said skip you since I was a little kid. Skip you. I haven't even remember that lady. Skip you. That was the thing, Josiah. We said skip you. Number three, your general thoughts test. Can you think positive thoughts about that person? Again, you're like, you've likely been on positive terms with that person in close enough relationship for them to injure you to this extreme. Is there anything good you can come up with about them which is even remotely good? Can you think of some good qualities of that person? If you can't, chances are you may be stuck in unforgiveness. Number four is the revenge test. Do you still think of getting even with that person? Are you dreaming in your thought life about that moment, that aha moment where you're going to be able to give them back what they gave to you and make a big deal about? I don't know. Here's number five. This is the failure test. If you've truly forgiven them, you're going to stop cheering for their failure and start praying for their success. You, you will genuinely want them to have a better life. Again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I know... I'm poking some very sensitive things here. There's, there's hurt here. There's wounds here. There, there's offense here. And we're not talking about some of you for childhood. We're talking last week. We're talking yesterday on the 101 freeway with that guy that cut you off and you followed him home like you were gonna do something against him. How many have ever had road rage get you to a point where you followed somebody? Come on, let's be honest. We're at church now, no lying. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm going to find out where you live, just in case. You got to let it go. Got to let it go. Matthew 5, how do you let it go? This is it right here. This is so good. Some of you, this is why you came to church right here. Just give you a solution. But I say to you, here it is, love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. Oh, that's so good. Pray for those who hurt How can I pray? See, what, what you need to understand about when you start praying for these people that have hurt you, you gotta understand, God's doing something. See, we, we gotta believe that, that prayer changes things. That every time you pray, something is happening. I want, I want to give you that word today. Every time you pray, every time you come to the Father, something is happening. And when you start praying for somebody that has hurt you, that has offended you, that's wounded you, you're releasing heaven into their life for a healing. Because let me tell you something that maybe nobody has ever told you. Hurt people hurt people. And chances are they hurt your life because they've been hurt themselves. So you start praying, saying, God, right now, I want to pray for that person to change. And I want to pray that, God, you would get a hold of their soul and that, God, you would heal their soul. 
and, and something so cool starts taking place. When you start praying the blessing and the favor of God for your enemies, for the people that have hurt you, then something begins to change in you. As you begin to pray for them to change, God uses that to actually change you. Because as you're praying for them, you're reminding your heart that just like you, they are somebody that Christ died for. Just like you, they have unsurpassable worth. Just like you, heaven wants to move for their life. Just like you, God wants to heal them of their hurt. And as you begin praying to God, to God, to have God get involved in their life, then your heart begins to soften towards their life too. It's so cool. I've watched this in my own life. I'm not just speaking this because of the word. I've practiced this as a human, as a fellow human being. I, I know it's hard to imagine people hurting a pastor, but they do. Can you believe that? I, can, I know it's hard for you to imagine that people wound a man of God, but they do. I know it's, a, it's hard for you to think that somebody can offend me, but they do. But I, I've watched, even this last two years ago, I, I had a friend of mine that was very, very toxic. And I'm not going to go into the story. There was some betrayal. There was, there was some lies. And I found myself in a position really, honestly, for the first time in my life, hating another human. I hated him. I wanted him to fail. I wanted him really to die, to go away. And as I began praying for him, God actually began changing me. And the hate went away and is replaced by a love that only God can give. And do you know with that brother, I was able to, this last March, get in a room with him and some other people, and I saw heaven come down in that room to where it went from that extreme to us hugging and taking selfies together again. So I, I will tell you this, the power of God is capable of taking your worst enemy reconciling them to become your friend. That's the power of God. I know I'm not saying this is easy. This is tough work. But this prayer that Jesus is praying is saying, God, we want to invite you in to do a deep work in us to make way for you to do a great work through us. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time. We pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.